big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we are talking about bullying. I might, we might put that in inverted commas or not. Um, so a charged topic, I'm imagining, possibly for those listening, if you're listening, or maybe not. Um, but before that nice, heavy, light topic, we thought we might have a little banter first. Mm. How has your week been, Lael? What's been going on? How has my week been? Well, it's been uh, school holidays here where I am in Melbourne. Not that my children go to school at the moment, so that's not any different. But it's been a break from my school um, um, that I created. So that's been a nice little pause just to do some reflection. And um, so I've been in a bit more of a quiet, slow space, which is good because I am usually got a lot of things going on so it's been really lovely and I was just sharing with you it's my daughter turns 18 in a few days and two days and so we've just been getting ready for her and her 18th and having another adult child which is really exciting so yeah that's that's been kind of my world there's been a much slower pace for the time being which has felt really good for me what about you what's been going on in your world and I love that we've done a bit of a swap haven't we mine's sped up a little bit it's been lots of practical things going on dentists and hair dying uh, my, it's also my son's birthday in a couple of days and um he's having his hair dyed yellow and orange for, for that <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah ran a workshop on sunday and loved it so much and i'm feeling lots of energy lots of um big yesness to get our book out my book out and just to be sharing this work with the world mm. in a bigger way so mm. I'm really really enjoying that and uh, and we had some sunshine today the first time and any I'm imagining any parent would relate uh, if you don't have a tumble dry like after a week of rain the the washing pile was was so high <laughs> it was it was a washing mountain so today I've been doing lots of washing hanging mm. out washing which is very exciting I find that very exciting <laughs> it's amazing what what excites you when you get older yes. <laughs> Sit oh, and sitting lovely. in the sun reading my book I've really oh that's beautiful I love that I love that that's so nice mm. and I just want to make an acknowledgement you know I was um I was on another podcast last week which was really fun um being on the other side and being interviewed mm. and then I was looking at some of our statistics and we were and as I said to you we we're in the top one percent of all the podcasts that are around in the world of our listens and follows which was really exciting <laughs> for us and we were having a bit of a laugh weren't we for our beautiful amateur podcast <laughs> where we just sit on our beds and chat um it's been really beautiful to be so wildly received widely received and I think the feedback we say this all the time we get from everybody is they say oh I just feel like you're in my kitchen having a cup of tea and a chat and we love that because we we glad we're so glad that it lands and that it feels personable and safe so thank you to all those people who listen and share and everything mm. it's very it's kind of humbling isn't it because we yeah. just sit here and go I don't even know if anyone's listening let's just have a chat and um it's really beautiful it's really beautiful so thank you everybody thank you yes thank you so much we so mm. appreciate it 
Mm. Mm. All right, so let's dive into this topic, which <laughs> I'm surprised actually in how many podcasts we've done. We haven't really talked about it, but yes. I think there's so many elements of where parenting that touch into what we're going to talk about today anyway. Um, you know, bullying can be is can be seen as a very charged word and something that we see a lot in schools, unfortunately, in kind of mainstream schooling. Actually, any schooling we can see it. We can see it in the workplace. We can see it in life. We actually are seeing it right now in the world of what's going on. So we want to take a broader look at, at what this is about and then and then kind of hone in on how that might look if that is your child or your child is on the receiving end of that or how that might feel for you. So we're going to go a few places in this podcast. We are, aren't we? And I wonder if we could even maybe unpack the term I'm going to offer why I wouldn't generally use this term, but also to think about what we're talking about. We're generally talking about power over behavior, someone using their often greater physical power, but often maybe, uh, you know, other forms of power over someone who has less um, doing things that are hurtful, painful, whether that's physically, emotionally, whether that's words or fists or whatever it is. So it's basically, you know, someone, someone hurting someone else and as you say that can happen in so many ways and you know I talk a lot about what I call the disconnected domination culture that's been around for thousands of years and spread around the world through colonization which has basically been those with the most power whether that and usually that is physical power but can be economic or uh, you know firepower or whatever it is using that over those with less and um and really those hurts, the way I see it, those, um, this isn't a way of parenting, I call them will hurts, get passed around. So just as we see in a school, if one child has a lot of upset feelings and is, and is maybe hitting other children, if that isn't stopped and if the, the children, both the person who's doing the hitting and the ones who are being hit aren't getting to heal from those experiences often those will start um, getting passed around almost like a, an emotional virus is like the hitting will then spread or if there's a harsh word being said then everyone will you know it starts to spread if we don't get to heal from those the hurts that we experience at the hands of those with more power we will often pass it on or turn it against ourselves so on a bigger picture level I think it's really helpful to and yeah exactly as you said to see this doesn't just happen with children or just in school. It's happening all over the place. And the more we really understand exactly what's going on, the more um, we're going to be able to actually prevent this spread and maybe even reverse it. We talked a lot about, we've done podcasts before on power where um, we talk a lot about that kind of stuff too. Mm. And, and even tapping into, like we did a podcast a little while ago on aggression, that anger and those big feelings, which often are a, uh, you know, such a, a mask for the deeper pains and hurts and wounds that are sitting underneath. And and again, we often see that perhaps if we're talking about bullying, that as you were saying, that real power over that anger, that aggression, that control, all those elements. Again, you know, when we really drill into where does that come from, from those hurt places within a human that behaves that way. Because as we've talked about so many times before, when we are feeling seen and loved and safe and all those big feelings our natural instinct isn't to hurt others it isn't to coerce others it isn't to power over others you know when we are feeling centered or in balance or whatever that is and so 
you know, it's easy to see where we are in the world at the moment about how much wounding is out there and how much hurt is existing because of what is happening out there in the world at the moment. So we can absolutely see it play out, you know, on, on the bigger stage and also within our own homes as well. Do you know, I had a thought the other day, which is when we are in relationship with someone who has less power than us, whether that's a child or where a person in authority or where a teacher or, or a politician or whoever it is, uh, how we treat someone with less power really shows us about our relationship with power, whether that's also an animal. It's a, it's a really powerful thing to see that how clear that is. I love that. You're so right. It's so clear. It's so right of, of where are we in that picture and how we feel about ourselves and then how, and, and you see that even with, um, I mean, here in Australia, we, we have that whole tall poppy syndrome, right, where somebody's a success and we like to pull them down and we like to criticise them. And I don't say we like, it's just become part of this cultural thing that often happens. When someone has success, we like to criticise and pick all the ways where they shouldn't have it, you know, really is a bit of a reflection of perhaps where we're not, you know, living in our truth or, or you know, experiencing our passions or you know, reaching the capacity that we need to reach to. And it's often true, you know, I see this in the, the space of women, women who are in alignment with themselves and doing amazing work in the world and feeling filled up will often champion other women. But when we aren't or perhaps, you know, when we're not tapped into where that sits within us, then we're often a lot more critical of other people. And I, I see that that is another element of it that we see in the world happening all the time as well. It's such a reflection of how we're feeling internally. Mm, so it is, isn't it? So I'm, I was thinking we might talk a little bit about what often happens again in the more domination culture around if a child is um, seen to be doing things that we would label bullying. In the old paradigm, I'm imagining there would be Things like shaming and punishing and guilting and all of those things, harsh responses to that behavior. And of course, when aware parenting lens, we'd always be looking, as you always talk about so beautifully now, is to look behind the behavior and to understand what's going on. And I think for me personally, that's why I wouldn't tend to use the term bullying. I wouldn't call a child a bully um, because uh a few different things number one is it's often quite a shaming thing and if a child is doing those doing things to other kids they're already in pain this doesn't mean we just go oh they're there you know you're in pain <laughs> off you go now <laughs> of course we're going to need to attend to that and of course the most important thing is to actually stop the behavior you know i go on about loving limits so i don't go on about them i love loving limits saying <laughs> saying no to the behavior and saying yes to the underlying feelings so so much about stopping the behavior but then really addressing why they're doing that and my concern is if when that term bully is used that the child then not only will experience often being shamed that they will internalize then probably have even more hurt do even more painful things but also it can easily become a kind of identity they can get identified with being someone who is a bully and once you've got identified with things like that as a child or a young person, it can be really hard to shift back out again. So I think having awareness around the languaging we're using to, to children and about children is really important. Mm, I agree totally. And, and the same flip side of that too, if, you are, if a child is on the other side of that behaviour, 
and see, I would never, I wouldn't want to call a child a victim of it because I think exactly the same as you're saying, that word victim is, is a strong, powerful world. And the child is on the receiving end of, of that power over that they can easily be identified as that as I'm not strong and, you know, people will pick on me and I don't belong and or whatever story that goes along with that, that that children can often take on board as well. And I love, you know, I guess that's what I love so much about what a parenting is about is it's, it's pulling back and it's saying, well, what's going on here? And as we always come back to what is driving the behaviour in the first place and so what need is not being met or how do we support that? And then equally for the child who has perhaps been hurt, you know, what obviously what do they need uh, what i have often found too is that for children who sometimes who are on the other side of um that behavior they often you know don't have a connection to their voice or their strong no or setting a, a limit or a boundary or whatever it is and therefore you know they are being overpowered and sometimes that can be reflected back into if it's not safe in the home for them to have a voice if they're not allowed to say no get away from me if they're not allowed to speak up you know if they're shut down a lot when they're upset or when they're you know they want something and they're being told to be quiet then often they are learning I I don't have a voice and it's not okay for me to speak up now I'm not saying that's the case everywhere you know what I'm saying I've absolutely seen that for some children it has never been safe to stand up and say no and therefore they do can sometimes become the target of, of that behavior when others have hurt. So they will say, well, who can I power over? And if they're looking for a child that is very unsure about having a voice or standing in their, you know, in their sense of self, and that can be very, very, um, can be a really, you know, big thing for a child to do. And, you know, look, I, I have watched that actually with one of my kids who is her default usually is pretty, um, soft and gentle and even as a little one she would let people kind of just push her around a little bit and and you know we have done um, podcasts on being sensitive and stuff like that and you know she is a highly sensitive child but I began to realize that we kept saying oh she's sensitive and she was really like that's all I am and I was like no actually no 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 you are fierce and powerful and strong and amazing and we played lots of games where she had to yell no really loudly or she had to push back on stuff that we were doing and and I I began to see it was really powerful for her to have a voice because her default was not and her default was to just what anybody else said she would do or you know be coerced into it and so we started doing lots of role-playing games where she got to have a no where she got to have a big voice where um you know she could own and find some of that power within her and and play was a beautiful way to do it where it was safe for us to do it and and I think even you know I shared once we um we did a self-defense class, my daughters and I, and um, and we got to punch into things and we got to have a fist no and we learned all these quite funny but amazing little tricks if ever we were feeling threatened or we were in a space where we didn't feel, you know, it was safe that we would know how to defend ourselves on some level. And that was an amazing exercise too because, again, I really wanted my children to know that they can have a strong limit and that they, you know, I respect their voice and their power that was sitting there. And so I think that's also something really powerful to when we think about children perhaps who haven't been able to own that voice or even know how to access it to give our kids opportunities to find that I think is really, really powerful. 
I so agree and so love all that you've done. And speaking this, I think it's so important. So would you see that quite high percentage of the time that, as you say, it doesn't always happen, but often that will be the person who, the the child who's doing these behaviours to another child will will kind of feel out in a way who is going to be less likely to kind of fight back in a way. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think that's that's how it kind of works, a lot of that power dynamic. You know, they're not going to often pick a fight or do something with a child who has got a strong fierce. No, they're not going to get anywhere. And I think it's, again, if when we break down why a child would be mean or would hurt another, and I think you speak so beautifully about this, Marion, of the reason why they're doing it. Now, if we talk about for a lot of kids who perhaps, well, not just children, but people who may be doing it, because they're hurting themselves, right, because they've got pain going on, that therefore there's something they receive when they power over someone else or inflicting pain on on somebody else. Do you want to talk more into that? Mm, I, I don't know whether you're referring to things. Do you know the thing that I really remember learning, you know, I'm passionate about nonviolent communication, which was developed by Marshall Rosenberg, and I really remember what he um did he shared the story where he would go into prisons and he would go and want to talk to the person that had done the most you know terrible things that you could possibly imagine he would go in and he would actually go and offer them empathy and first of all they would start off uh, saying no man you know so he'd say you know why did you do it and they would say you know I'm I might use some swear words, you know, I'm shit, man, or I'm just, I'm dirt. That's why I did it. So, you know, full of that internalized shame and self-judgment. And what he would do is keep on listening to their feelings and keep on listening. And he would have um, a team outside in the corridor, as far as I remember, so that when, you know, he would hear all the things that people had done, you know, terrible things to other people. Um, And when he got filled with his own pain and rage, hearing about the things that the person had done, he would go out into the corridor and he would express all his feelings to his team. And once he was feeling calm again, he would come back in and talk more to the, to the person. What generally he, he said he got to in the end was so often that the reason the person did these terrible things to other people is uh, he want, they wanted to see in the eyes of that person that they were doing it to the same fear or hurt or pain that they had experienced as a child in order to receive some sense of understanding, compassion and empathy. So they were trying to get a need met, which of course is NBC. And again, in Aware Parenting, we talk so often about needs to understand that we are always doing things you talk about this for you know an important reason there and the things like that don't just happen and if we can understand that even people doing the most uh, you know horrific things to other people are actually doing it because of that level of hurt and pain and the desire to be compassionately understood you know what how does that help us then if we see a child who's maybe going in every day uh, doing harsh things to other kids at school like what on earth is going on for them what is going on at home for them what has happened to them in their past that they are so deeply hurt in that way that's such a beautiful explanation I love that that story I haven't heard of that but that's what I was like leaning towards but wow I really love that and that you know that really hits me in my heart I wanted to see in someone else's eyes that that understanding of how that feels which is really, really powerful. And and I think, again, if you're a parent listening to this and your child, you know, maybe uses aggression or powers over other kids, which and, and to really help you understand, it's a lot of children do do that 
sometimes when they're trying to process their hurts, whether there's a new baby in the family, whether they've moved house and they feel really unsure, whether there's just, you know, whatever it is, right? We all have hurts and stories and, and you know, as we talk about all the time, we really trust that children doing what they need to do to, to, to work through whatever feelings they've got sitting there. And so if you do have a child that is acting out or, or doing that kind of stuff, and again, it can be a little bit more sinister when our children are older in school or, or as teenagers and stuff like that. But I think the first step is to just, you know, again, take a deep breath and go, this is not because you are not a good parent. You know, this is the child on some level saying, hey, there's some hurts here for me that I'm trying to move. And that would be our first place to go, okay, what do I need to do to help my child move some of these bigger hurts and feelings? And so whether that is more one-on-one time with them to connect, to fill up their cup, whether it's actually setting some more loving limits where they can push up against it and release some of those big hurts and feelings that they're carrying there, whether it's because they are feeling really powerless and we need to do power reversal games to help them um, find that sense of power within, you know, there's lots of tools that Aware Parenting offers to help children move some of that stuff. Um, And and I think, you know, as we have shared, even with our own stories, there's always going to be a phase for most children that they're going to move through where they're going to feel powerless and they're going to hit out maybe or act out or they're going to do something where it feels too big for them. And, And our job as the parent is to be able to stay connected enough to them to help them process that. And, and move that and not move into shame and not move into judgment and all those kind of things, but move into a place where we're like, ah, I see there's a need here and I'm here to help you process that. Now, I often find too that in with some parents that I have worked with that, um, as always, we look whether we're parenting, what's going on for the child can often be directly related to what's going on for the parents. So for a parent who has a child perhaps who's, who's hitting and acting out, that can bring up a whole lot of feelings. Equally, if you have a child who is on the receiving end of someone powering over them, um, that often can feel very, very charged for some parents. And in my experience too, when I've worked with parents whose kids perhaps have been bullied, um, that is often strongly connected to their own stories where they also experience that at school or in their families. And so much of their own fear and story pops up because they're like, I know what that felt like. I don't want that to happen to my child. And then a whole big story comes up of of healing that perhaps needs to happen for the adult that the child on some level is facilitating, you know, to move some of that story. Have you you experienced that as well, Marion? Yeah, not so much as you have, though, but yes. Yeah. That was a quick answer, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't keep the conversation going. <laughs> yes, kind of. Yes. Well, I think the thing within that too is, um, you know, I think what's interesting is that when we lean into that, okay, so of course as parents we're going to have our response and our reaction and um, I think what I'm trying to get to is if you, if you know or you hear or you witness your child powering over someone else and behaving in that way, you know, it can be very easy for us to move into I've done something wrong or shame in yourself as a parent, all that kind of stuff. And and I guess what we would offer is a lot of compassion to say, hey, your child's giving you a message here and saying you need some help. So what does that look like? Now, again, in sec- in primary school or even secondary school, you know, if your child is doing something like that, then, you know, for me, the first port of call, particularly when our children are older, is where is the connection? 
because if our kids are acting out in that way and you know a nine or ten year old or a 14 or 15 year old they know on some level that you know behaving that way isn't kind or they all children know right we know that what feels good and what doesn't but in that sense where are they deeply disconnected from their sense of self or from you that that's how they're behaving and so connection has to be you know for me the first place of where is that connection where are we communicating where are we not communicating where do we need to hold space for some feelings to get to the bottom of what's happening underneath here and that for me firstly is a you know, is what the parent needs to bring to that situation straight away is right. Okay, where have where have we got off track here, and what do I need to do to bring some connection here to to help my child move whatever's going on in this in this place right now? Mm, yeah, I love that, Lau. Um, do you know what I'd love to go is off again to more kind of systemic, uh, bigger picture cultural things. Is that I think it's also really important to hold in mind that we do live in a culture where the majority of children and all children, but um, well, my son's just laughing out loud at that point, um, will experience a lot of their, again, what I call their will needs not being met. So their needs for agency and choice and autonomy. And so I do think as well that it's really important to address the system that this behavior is happening in. So for example, if it is in a school, like how often are children not having choice and autonomy and agency? How often are they being powered over? How uh, are they being responded to if they're being harsh to another child? How is the child at the receiving end being responded to? And I think it's really important, I think, to look at those systemic bigger picture levels rather than just looking at the child who is doing that thing what's happening in the family, what is happening in that school, what's happening in that community, that these behaviours are showing up. And I think it's so important for us as adults to really take responsibility on that level is, is rather than moving in with shame and punishment and blame is like it's actually our responsibility to stop the behaviour and and connect and listen to the feelings, but also to to look at what can we do preventatively are, are there ways that we can uh, give more choice and agency and autonomy to young people? What ways are we perhaps coercing them, shooting them, have doing them, using power over them, which of course they're going to feel powerless. So I think really attending to that can be really important too. And of course, given what's going on in the world as well, so many people feeling really powerless, so many um, things being put in place, rules and regulations that adults are feeling powerless so of course it's so natural and normal that those those are going to get passed on when we feel powerless we pass those on to our children and young people so you know I see it as a really big invitation to address these much bigger things as well as attending to the individual children involved yeah I, I absolutely love that and that <sighs> It makes me sigh deeply because I feel like we've got a lot of work to do because it's so you're so right. And I, I look at that. I mean, that was one of the key reasons why I built my school because I was like, you know, we children don't have choice and they don't have autonomy in our schooling system at all. And and they're often shamed for talking or doing natural things that they need to do, like moving their bodies or learning in different ways. And and it is such time for a massive shift when we look at how and what we set up for children because a lot of the time we we set them up to to forget who they are and to um, conform and and then when it gets too much and they act out then we just punish 
you know, and I think, again, we're setting them up to fail greatly in the way that our systems work. And, you know, some kids do well and slip through and can navigate it, but there's a whole lot that don't. And I think that's, you know, we are absolutely seeing that. You know, when, when we're talking about things like this and we absolutely see that and on many levels, we see that with mental health, we see that with anxiety, we see that with, you know, the projection of feelings, we see it with the repression mechanisms, particularly in teens, all that kind of stuff. We see that, you know, one of the biggest places that I see that play out is online, you know, and especially for teens, you know, who, you know, um, being online is is their lifeline a lot of the time. You know, it's how they communicate. It's it's how they connect on some level, but it's also an easier way to often bully and and to um, be really mean to other people behind their keyboards. And we see it a lot. Like it's a huge issue with teens. And um, and on some level, they get to channel all that hurt and aggression and pain where they're not even saying it to someone's face, they're doing it through their words. And that can be very, very hurtful and painful and a huge, huge issue. And I know that I've spoken to a lot of parents, you know, when I've run teen workshops, they're like, oh my God, I don't ever want my child to have a phone. And I'm like, I can understand that. It can feel very scary. And it's not something that we ever had to contend with when we were teenagers, but something that they have to navigate now. And and parents often say, well, how do I deal with that? What, what do we do? And I was like, well, you continue to connect and make it safe enough for your kids to tell you anything. So you educate them around what being responsible is like online and you educate them about, you know, um, unfortunately, online predators and stuff like that. You educate them around being kind, what you post online, you know, would you put that on a billboard outside your house and would you be happy for your grandma to see it? So if not, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about that um, respect, what we put out there and what we get back and and perhaps calling out bad behaviour when we see it online. And, you know, we, we make it safe enough for them to come and talk to us when something bad is going on. And look, my daughter, when she was in year eight, she had a situation where some girls who were not doing so well at the time uh really turned on her because she stood up for somebody and um and that meant they actually were going to get in trouble and so when she came home that night they unleashed on her on, on one of the online platforms and you know she came to us pretty quickly and said whoa this is blowing out this is what's going on and you know we were looking at some of these comments and they were pretty nasty and pretty horrible and and people, you know, some of these girls were really channeling a lot of their hurts into this. And, um, you know, what was amazing is that my daughter came to me straight away and went, well, this is scary. This doesn't feel good. What can we do? And so we were like, yeah, okay. So us as adults can help you navigate this and help them to be accountable with this. And, and you know, we took some steps to navigate it. But the positive thing out of that was that she came to us straight away and said, yeah, that's not cool. Um, Can you help me navigate this? This is too big for me now. I don't know how to deal with this. And so then we worked through steps to do it and it did resolve itself. And, you know, interesting, those girls now, are, you know, I know them and they're beautiful. They were just in their, their 14 year old selves having really hard time, you know, projecting that. And that is I mean, it's huge in the teen years because, you know, so much of that deep desire is to belong and to connect and and often they'll behave in ways, you know, with these deep desires to just feel enough and then that can cause some pretty horrible behaviours and impact on others. And, and, you know, and we see that again too with, you know, when, while we're talking about teens right now, but just on that online stuff, we can see it with pornography, we can see it with a whole lot of stuff that goes on online. 
that it's not necessarily something that's going away, but we can educate our kids on the realities of it. We can educate our kids to be discerning about what it is and we can keep facilitating and building on the connection so that our children know that we are the safe place to come, that we are there to say, hey, yeah, let me know if it gets too big or I can help you or do you want some words to say, you know, or would you like me to help you respond to that message or all those kind of things so that they're actually learning skills and tools to navigate it, to stand up for themselves and also to call stuff out if it's not okay and also protect themselves, you know, from what that what that could be and how that looks. So it's a huge big issue that faces teenagers today and parents of teens will totally get this. And I think it's not one that's going away, but it's one that we can support our children through to educate them and to strengthen our connection and our relationship. And so they learn. And, you know, the flip side of what happened to my daughter is she's like, I would never talk to anybody like that online ever. I know how bad that felt copying half an hour, an hour of abuse from what was going on for those girls. And she's like, it was horrible. And she's like, I would never do that. And sometimes these contrasting experiences help our kids to learn, yeah, that's not cool. Now I'm not saying that they all need to experience that, and I hope your child doesn't have to experience that. But I also, you know, my daughter could see the the beauty in what that experience was and what it helped her to understand in, in this world that we were living in. Mm, yes, oh my gosh. Do you know what I'm remembering as you share that is working with adult uh, mentees and so often hearing where they had experienced harsh things at the hands of other kids or teens often at school and where they either um, didn't even tell their parents because they either wouldn't be believed or supported or you know just you know for whatever reason they wouldn't get the support that they needed or they did tell them and the parents didn't do anything to stop it and kept on really basically coercing them to go back into school again and I think it's really important to hold in mind that if we are continue willing for our child to be in a situation where they are being hurt in some way that they will often then the, the feelings will actually be in response to us you know often working with people where they've had a lot of people had a lot of big feelings towards their parents actually often even more so than the the child who is doing that thing because you know it's really our job to support our children and young people and to to actually step in in places like this and really act and do something so I think it's really important to really hold that in mind if your child is coming and sharing these things to um, really take it seriously really act and attend to it Mm, absolutely yes because as we talk about often with any hurts that we have as children or from the past, you know, so much of the trauma and the pain often is the fact that we weren't listened to with the feelings we're feeling or we weren't supported or we weren't seen with what we're feeling. And so you're so right that that can actually build, you know, a very, very um, strong belief system in, in a human when they haven't received that support and that hurt can stay there and then that can have an impact on their life moving forward, you know, and that's the lens that we look through quite often. This isn't going to be safe and people are going to pick on me or whatever it is that's going on. It can feel really, really big. And I think that this is, you know, this is a, 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 a complex issue and we can't just say do one two three it'll be fine and do this and do that there are many many layers to this and there's many layers to this in in who we are and the certain circumstances and I think too you know whether it is that your child is the one that is 
you know, powering over someone else or your child's on the receiving end of it, at the end of the day, we have to come back to how do we help our kids be accountable for what they are doing? How do we model and facilitate repair if that's needed? How do we do, you know, um, um, I always say this word wrong, reparative, <laughs> reparative, it's all right, um, exercises or something so that we can help our children, you know, navigate, particularly when they're, you know, at schooling or at school because a lot of times stuff like this does happen at school to um, to be heard with what was going on for them, to find that repair for the child perhaps who was treated badly to move into a place of, you know, um, yes, I don't feel scared or thank you for saying that or whatever it is that they feel now and for the person who was behaving that way to perhaps apologise that comes from a you know a place of they mean it and that they are actually genuinely sorry so that you know it's an experience that then allows us to facilitate and grow but here's my thing about that as well is that often children don't see what that looks like because often adults don't do that and they don't do it well we don't see it in our governments, we don't see it in the bigger systems that we have going on as well about accountability and about repairing, you know, when we have done something wrong or owning where we're at. And so I think, again, it comes back to, as you mentioned before, the systemic stuff about adults taking responsibility as well for what we have created and where we're at and how do we model and do we bring to our children when we have acted out or we've powered over them do we actually get in there and repair and say, I am so deeply sorry, that was not okay for me to speak that way to you or whatever it is that has happened? Do we model what that actually looks like? So our children, you know, can see that that is what that would look like to actually offer that repair from a genuine place. So I think there's also, you know, parts that we have to look at of how do we, what do we model to our children? And not just about repair, but what do we model to our children about the way we speak about other people? Do we badmouth other people? Do we criticize others in front of them? Do we on some form or another bully other people or power over them? And we're not taking accountability for that. And is that what they're watching? You know, I think there is, there's many elements to this topic. And I think it's really important always as a parent to go, well, what are we showing our children? What is it that we need to look at or work with or own? And um, and then how do we teach and guide them, you know, to navigate these things? Mm, yes, I'm so with you on that now. It's so beautiful. Do you know what I was wondering is, is there anything around the policy? I imagine you've set up policies in your school around this that might be helpful for others to hear and perhaps teachers listening or, or parents as well around the things that you've got in place that mm. might be helpful to hear well for our first step is always let's look behind the behavior let's find out the why behind what's going on well I mean our really first step is how do we make everyone how do we keep everyone safe with whatever's going on you know then the second step is really the why behind what's happened and making sure we have lots and lots of listening time for the people involved so we get to hear their side of the story we get to understand it the work really is with the person who is powering over to really um, support them to get to the root cause of the why um, because I feel like it doesn't change unless we get to the why and how we can hold that um, and then you know facilitating those um, repair experiences together in a way that's safe with the children modeling that um, you know how do we find a way to 
to feel okay within this. It's a lot of constantly checking in, how you're going. It's documenting and watching and observing and seeing, you know, because sometimes kids will say, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And then as soon as the adult turns around, they'll do it again. So we try and make sure that if we are seeing anything going on, that we, one of the staff members always watching and observing and we often document what we're seeing just so we're aware of what's happening and, and so that we can make sure that kids are getting their needs met, you know, and that they're able to be, uh, listen to or heard or that we can support them in whatever way is going on so you know I mean look we have a I don't know seven or eight page policy <laughs> around it there's a lot of words in that but that's the general basis of it we do not believe in punishments at all at our school absolutely not so if the child is behaving in that way we are not going to you know keep them in or give them a detention or do something because again we're really looking behind the why you know and the why usually comes from a place of their own hurts or pains so we want to work towards that and you know we are we do want to make sure we repair and we really want to make sure we can create harmony but look you know no matter whenever you have a group of people there's always going to be something that goes on there is no perfect utopia and everyone just gets along with each other and kids are the same right so stuff's going to come up and part of you know what I look at our school is how do we help our children own their feelings, take responsibility for them, get their needs met so they don't then have to project it onto somebody else, which, you know, is what we're trying to teach the kids, which is really what we try to need to teach our adults as well. <laughs> that, right? What's going on for you? What do you need so that you don't then just project that onto everyone else, right? And that's kind of what we're trying to do at our school is to give children the language, the understanding, the, um, you know, the, the terminology, the conversation and constantly talking about it so that we can, it becomes part of a child's understanding of when I'm feeling something, where do I need to go to help move this feeling or to feel this feeling or to get support for this feeling because it's mine and there's something going on for me and I need to work with that. Mm, I love that, Lau, so much. And, and you know, as imagining after, after um, possibly generations is uh, recreating again communities where, you know, we gather regularly in the community where things get to be spoken, where feelings get to be spoken, where grievance get to be heard in ways that everyone's really supported. Um, and if people are harsh to each other, that again, it comes back into that there's community support for both sides. Imagine if we create a world where yeah there, there is no more punishment and shame and all of that stuff where just there's deep compassionate on a you know on a by lots of adults so that again that just that uh gets passed down to the children mm. and the young people that that's what they see and they live and that won't that be amazing <laughs> yes it would be uh, you know, uh, I don't know, as you say that, Marion, I just, my thought was the world on some level is not ready to give up punishments yet. You know, it still has such a, um, it still is such a default, I see, outside out in the world of that you do something bad, you must be punished. We still see that with children with consequences sometimes or what they classify as discipline or, you know, kids being grounded or, you know, there's still such a strong thing of like I need to make you feel bad or take something away from you for you to learn this lesson of what you've done. And as we've talked about and you've talked about so many times on the podcast, what it does is it just adds more to the hurt that's sitting there and that caused it in the first place. And I think it really takes adults who understand this or 
perhaps aren't punishing themselves or perhaps, you know, come from a place of deep compassion within to hold that and to see that. Because I think we are still, as a culture and as a world, still so connected to our punishment uh, for wrongdoing. Mm, it really is about a paradigm shift again, isn't it? And we do often talk about this around to really understand or the, our core beliefs about human beings. And if we believe we're inherently sinful and bad and evil and we need to be punished uh, or shamed or hurt or rewarded in order to be loving, compassionate, a helpful member of society, that's going to continue. When we understand that our true nature is deeply connected and compassionate and caring and we want to contribute and that if we're not doing that, back to that lovely list of three from Aletha, those list of three reasons, and to attend to those at the root cause is that, you know, it, it is a fundamentally different belief about human beings. And I think we're really being invited to shift into that perception and perspective because that changes everything doesn't it that core mm. belief yeah and you know look I think again when I come back to okay what can we offer parents to navigate this you know for me in my own experience because my kids have been to mainstream schools so we've had many experiences where there's been situations like this uh, where they've perhaps been treated in a way that hasn't felt good or you know um, they've come home and this person's being mean to me or they're saying this and and, you know, for me, the first step is always listen, 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 listen first, make it safe enough for them to offload all the big feelings they've got going on around that. And as I always talk about with listening, you know, we are listening with firstly, no judgment. We are listening without fixing and we are listening without getting into the story with them. So if we can hold that safe container of like, I hear you, tell me what else and stay as calm as we can within our center, then the message we're actually sending our kids in that moment is, hey, I've got you. I hear this is a really big thing and um, I'm here, let it all out. And for me, only after they've finished talking and venting and all that kind of stuff, I may offer, would you like some help with this problem? Or would you like me to suggest something? Or did you want me to just listen? Now, a lot of the time, even when my kids came home where there was issues with other kids, they'd go, no, I just want you to listen. So they wouldn't actually want advice, even though I'm busting to give them the advice that I think they should have. <laughs> like, but if you just say this, like, that'll help. <laughs> And that's such a hard thing to do. I've had to just learn to bite my tongue and go, mm -hmm. and trust, right, that when they need help or they'll come and ask for it, that they will then actually say, this feels too big. And then there are other times they're like, what do I say or what do I do? Well, how can you help me with that? And that, you know, then we might have role play lots of different situations where you could probably say this, this, and this. How do you reckon that will go down? And, you know, I say something ridiculous and silly or I would often give some silly scenarios and then perhaps one that would be really more of an authentic thing. And we would joke and laugh around about it a little bit, but my kids would naturally come to, I think I'll say these words and that feels good for me to say. And so that for me has been such a beautiful learning experience for them to learn how to navigate relationships with people they don't necessarily connect with or where they feel like something's going on that they don't feel good about. These are all such beautiful learning experiences for children to navigate. And sometimes they're painful. They are. And sometimes we can watch what's going on and think, oh, I know where this could go. And that feels scary or it's going to tap us into our own stuff about our own childhoods, as we mentioned before. But, you know, I, again, with parenting, my, one of my greatest things I have learned over all these years is, is to sit in a place of trust with our kids and not get into the story with them. 
And when we can do that, we create a space for them to figure out and to learn how to navigate life and sometimes it's trickiness with the safety of a parent there who says, I've got your back. And that has been to me one of the most powerful things I've learned as a parent is to hold that space for them to navigate those tricky things. And when they need help, they'll ask. Yep. And so still sometimes now I forget about that I'm waiting to be asked and I'll just come in with something. I love that my kids will turn around and go, I didn't ask for your help. And I go, oh, <laughs> thank you for saying that. <laughs> or they look at me and start rolling their eyes. I go, oh, yeah, got it. Yeah, I didn't, you didn't even ask that. Thank you. I've got that one. Yep. Mm. Oh, so yeah. yummy now. So mm. deeply mm, value your parenting and what you share with the world and it's so gorgeous. Thank you, lovely. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Look, I, I think too, I don't know, I feel like I need to say this again. There are many, many layers to this conversation. And I think it's um each situation and family is unique. And you know, if you're listening to this and it feels big, then this is where it can be really powerful to lean into some extra support. You know, and that can be with a where parenting instructor can be with a therapist, a counsellor, psychologist, whatever it is that is your support where you get to be heard, where perhaps you get to explore what comes up for you with this in order to, whether that's just about what's happening in your life or whether it's about supporting your child who might be navigating this as well. You know, can there can be many layers to um, to this, this topic. Mm, absolutely. Hmm. Mm. What would you like to finish with? Uh, offer um, what offerings have you got? Any of those things that you? Might <laughs> well, I think I think just my 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 thing to contemplate. I would say uh, when you were a kid, right, and perhaps you were on the receiving end of you know some power over behaviour or bullying or whatever you want to call it. Um, what is it that you needed that you didn't get? And equally, perhaps if you behaved in a way that was hurtful to others, you know, can you tune into what was going on for you? And can you bring a little bit of compassion and forgiveness to that child in you that was doing the best job they knew how with how they were feeling? Like can can you feel into that and see what you might have needed at those times? Mm, for you, Marion? That's exactly the same thing that I was going to say. So <laughs> just with give or take a few different words. So <laughs> I love that one. That one. <laughs> you can do both sides of that. Okay, we can we can do that. <laughs> um, for me, offerings. I have a new web parenting immersion that's starting the end of July. If anyone's interested, that's eight weeks. So you get to explore your stories and imprints and we're parenting and how we parent and all that kind of stuff. So that's a live online course that I've got going on. What have you got going on, Marion? Yummy. Uh, I have a live round in my attachment play course, which I haven't done since 2018. Suddenly felt called to do that. It can be really helpful um, around feelings of powerlessness and if a child's hitting. So that's, that is happening uh, this, the end of this week. If you're listening mm. live. And I just want to go, if you want to know more about play, go do that. Go. Do, I just said to Marion before we started, I'm going to post about it. People need to do that. Like play is not so much my thing, but it's so your thing and you're so good at it. And if you want to know more about playing and the power of that and just how much healing it can create and how it can really shift cooperation and, and all the beautiful stuff, then I so recommend going and doing Marion's course with her. It's amazing. 
Oh, thank you, Lau. And I was going to say, which now sounds like I'm only saying, because you were saying lovely things about mine. <laughs> so I sign up for Lau's immersion because uh, every person I've ever spoken to has done it. <laughs> change their lives and it sells out really quickly so uh, <laughs> thank you we're having just our mutual appreciation of <laughs> each other's work but do you know what I love about this like this is what I was talking about at the beginning I and I know we've done a podcast on this too of when those parts of ourselves Ooh. came up when we were judging but I just I so value what others have in the world and what to offer and we've all got our own unique flavor and um I think we need to champion each other more I really yeah. do because I think what anybody does that helps them lean towards more self-awareness is a win. Like, I'm like, I don't care how you get it. I don't care where, how it lands you. But yes. if it helps you understand more about who you are, if it helps you become more, a more compassionate parent, then, then bravo, that's what we need because that's what the world deeply needs now. You know, just even when we're talking about this topic today, there's a lot of pain in our world. There's a lot of people with pain and, they take that pain and they project it onto others. And that's where we see a lot of what goes on that is not okay. And what we need is a massive shift for the world. And that starts with our children. And it starts with how we respond to them. It starts with our own healing. And that is that is the call to action these days. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Your parenting changes the world. It absolutely does. I love that, Lau. I love I feel fired up. If I <laughs> hear your call to action. I'm so with you. Mm. I also was thinking as well about uh, another recommendation is all of Alita's books. Alita Scott's mm. books, founder of Aware Parenting and the Aware mm. Parenting Institute. I'm also thinking particularly um, cooperative and connected can mm. be a really helpful one to just really understand yes different things around children's behavior so I really recommend if you don't have that book already mm. I recommend buying that getting it from the library or getting your library to get it in um, mm. and all of her books really if you're into aware parenting they're just so mm. amazing and mm. When our book comes out as well, we'll be recommending <laughs> yes. that one as well. Yes, totally. And if, if you just listen to this podcast and you want to know more, particularly around anger and stuff, like we have a great podcast on aggression, which I, people often say to me, God, that was really good because it helped me understand why my kids are doing what I need to. And the one we did, Power and Politics, also really speaks into this. So there's a lot there to also listen to around the why behind why we do what we do. And that can really be helpful too. Mm. Mm. okay <laughs> all right well thanks for being here everybody again yeah. thanks for all your sharing and um and please feel free to message us if there's a topic you would like us to cover there's something you would like us to talk about um yeah please please reach out and we'll um we'll endeavor to cover it mm, thank you so much and please be loving and compassionate with yourself after this particularly if you've had feelings showing up for you we're sending you lots of love mm thanks for joining us on the aware parenting journey please follow us on facebook and instagram at the aware parenting podcast you can find more about lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find marion at www.marionrose.net we wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey